prayer with God. He left Aaron down and they started making a mess. And uh, Joshua said, man, it's the sound of Moses. Wait a minute. That's not the sound of praise. Mm, it don't sound like that. There's something weird about that sound. Isn't, that something? Isn't it amazing how even a sound creates an atmosphere? What, what do you hear when you go into a wake? Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's a sound. Go to, you know, sound. Now, depending on who it is that wake you at sometimes. Amen. I've gone to a few that make me want to get up and shout. Amen. That's the right sound. But when you, you come into the house of God, there ought to be that sound of praise. And it's here this morning. Amen. I said it's here this morning. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the sound of praise, the sound of victory, the sound of overcoming. Lord, the sound that we can't be stopped. The sound that we got the victory over every agent of hell already given us the victory. So I thank you for that. Lord, my assignment this morning is to encourage the believers. I believe that's what you want me to teach, preach, however you want it to come out. So Lord, let them leave church today ignited with a fire in the name of Jesus, knowing that whatever they're facing right now, thanks be unto God who always causes them to triumph. We thank you for that right now. There are problems in the room, big, little, small, in between, whatever they may be. But Lord, you want folk to know that they've already won in you. So we give you glory, Lord. Let revelation knowledge flow freely through me. Now I give to the Spirit as you will. And we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, amen. Come on, give them one more shout right here. Amen. All right. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Well, we've been talking about how to be a strong Christian, and we hinged on Ephesians, which said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? That's been a foundational passage, but that's not uh, what we're going to hammer out today. It'll be laced in this message, but boy, am I excited about this word, as I believe we bring to close this series on how to be a strong Christian. I may preach a little bit on the resurrection. Y'all know uh, uh, we got a, a great event coming up in a couple of weeks. Amen. 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 And for the believer, that's every day. Are you glad that Jesus rose? Yeah, so we, we're going to permeate some of that, or rather get into some of that. Uh, not permeate, but get into some of that here soon. But uh, I want to I finish this series off today, if the Lord shall allow. If not, I'll extend it. But we've been talking about how to be a strong Christian and if there's anybody we can learn strength from, it's Joshua. I believe Joshua, to me, is one of the strongest believers in Scripture. I believe Joshua teaches us strength. I, I think there are many men that teach us how to be strong. Paul was a great one, how to persevere through persecution. David was the strongest king besides Jesus that ever lived. But Joshua, uh, who basically only lost one battle in his life, one time, battle I, and that was because of an aching in the camp, which that's spiritually understood right there. How many of y'all know sometimes you got to get aching? Yeah, sometimes we wonder, man, how come the Spirit of God can't move like it want to on Sunday? You got to get aching out. How come I can't get what I want done in my house? You might have, amen, a grown aunt that need to move out. Yeah, you got to get, get aching 
out of the camp. Can't figure out why certain things won't move the way they should move. But back to my, my point, Joshua was very strong and, and uh, most certainly only lost one time. And he fixed that real quick because he burned the whole family up. Amen. You think Pastor Gabe was aggressive. <laughs> Joshua, mom, set the whole family on fire and told the community to watch as they burn. In other words, don't act like that because I set you on fire too. Amen. Woo! I'm on fire, Seku. Amen. <laughs> so Joshua teaches us how to be strong. How many of you know you got a Joshua for a pastor? Amen. So with that in mind... <laughs> Let's go and let's learn from Brother Joshua today. Archie, we're talking about how to be strong, part 86, whatever this is. And today's subject is only be strong. So how are you going to be strong? Oh, only, only. Rhonda, this word is for you this morning. How to be strong only. Tell your neighbor, that's your only option. You, you don't have no other option. This is what God gave me some time ago to wrap this up. How are you going to be strong? Only, only be strong, and I'll throw a little subtopic up there. Only be strong when, Pastor, after you get the victory. Should not be your, after you get the victory. Can we go to Joshua chapter 1? Are you all in here? Amen. Look at verse number 5, and I will note, Nicole, that the person talking is very important to this message. Because the person talking right now is God himself. God is downloading his cadence to Joshua, and he tells us something that we should all take note of. He starts off this discourse by saying, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just like I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Everybody say that. God will not leave me nor forsake me. Personalize it. Come on. God will not leave me nor forsake me. Be strong. First time he tells him this, and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Now the next word, highlight, underline, underscore, put a quotation on it, whatever you do to make something stand out in your Bible. The word only is crucial to this message. Only be strong and very courageous. Can we pause right there parenthetically? How many of y'all know we got too many cowardice Christians? May I have the courage of your convictions? Only be strong and what? Very courageous. People say, I agree to disagree. I don't say that. I just say I disagree. <laughs> What's all the agreement when we disagree. Amen. Let's just, let's just call it, amen, what it is. Amen. I disagree. For whatever reason, you're not right and I am. <laughs> Somebody say amen to that. Now, ain't that confidence? Yeah, I disagree. Amen. I'm not going along with that because it's not right. Somebody say amen. So only be strong and very courageous that you may, underline this word, observe. Everybody say observe. But not just observe, observe it like you're going to do something about it. Amen. Don't just hear the word. Hear the word like you're going to leave church and implement something. That you may observe to do all according to all that's in the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right hand or to the left. 
I like this word, that you may underline, underscore, put parentheses, whatever you want, that you may prosper in how many places? Wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, underline, underscore, highlight, but you shall, underline, underscore, highlight, meditate it, meditate it, how often? Day and night, amen, you'll meditate it day and night that you may observe to do all that's written according in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and what's going to happen next? You're going to have good success. Now, this is my favorite verse in my lesson today. Verse number nine. Have I not commanded you? Have I not what? That means it wasn't an option. Have I not what? No, this is a commandment. Let everything that have breath, praise the Lord. Amen. That, that's a command. Praise him in the high side. That's a commandment. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. That's a commandment. Amen. Having done all to stand, stand. That, those, those are not for Christians. We're not talking about the world this morning, y'all. We're talking about for Christians. Those are not variables. Those are not things that we ponder or pontificate as to whether or not we want to do it. Are you all in here? Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Third time he says it. And of good courage, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's worth a right hand and a worship right there. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're with me wherever I go. Now, what's this back to the future message all about, Pastor? You know, you're talking about uh, only be strong, comma, after you get the victory. What's the, what's the concept? What is the the underpinnings of this message. Well, we're going to be going back to Joshua to, to bring our text home. But uh, first things first, uh, you got to know that you have a promise. Amen. So when we say only be strong after you get the victory, it is not because you have tangible victory in your hand, but it's because the person who promised you is valid and reliable. Amen. He cannot come up short. You have a promise. So you can be strong because you know without a shadow of a doubt that the God you serve is a promise keeper. And that promise is going to hold water no matter how hard, how heavy, how tough it gets. Everybody say, we have a promise. Now, my other foundational text is Deuteronomy 1 and 7 through 8. Because if you're going to link that to this verse, you've got to be theologically sound and helping us to understand what promise Joshua had. And this is the Berean Study Bible, and I love the way it says it. And this is for somebody who has been discouraged. Amen. Get back on the horse and resume your journey. Everybody say, get back at it. Yeah. Resume your journey. How many of you know sometimes sadness and despondency can get you down and make you wish that things could just be better and you want to throw in the tower? Get the towel back out the rain and get back up and fight and resume your journey. So I say amen. Amen. Resume your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples of Arabah and the hill country and the foothills and the Geb and along the seacoast to the land of the Canaanites. Everybody say the promised land. And Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates. Who is God talking to? He is talking 
to the people that Joshua is now pastoring. These, these are the folks under Moses' regime, yet Joshua and Caleb was living during this time, and they were simply going to be the Pathan carriers at a point in the future. You'll get my point momentarily. Look at verse number eight, and then we're going to ride. See, I have placed the land before you. Everybody say, I have a promise. Enter and possess the land that the Lord swore, <laughs> good God Almighty, that he would give your fathers. How many of y'all know there are not only promises over your life, there are things that other folk in your bloodline were supposed to get. Amen. And how many of you know you're going to manifest it? Amen. Glory to God. I say you're going to manifest it. Amen. Amen. He said, I promise to give this land to your forefathers. There were things that I want Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to get and for their descendants after them. And I won't stop with just these descendants because according to Galatians chapter 3, 13, 14, and 29, aren't you glad that uh, we're blessed with faithful Abraham? We're no longer under the curse. So there are promises that belong to us right now. Everybody say, I have a promise. And in verse number nine, he brings it home. He says, I placed the land, verse number eight, before you. And to, you are to enter that land, excuse me, verse number eight. And you are to possess that land that the Lord swore to give you. So when God tells Joshua, stay with me now, to be strong and very courageous, he tells them that because there is a promise still lingering over his head of something that God wanted to see him and the people of God have. There, there is something still there that God said back in yesteryear that God wants you to have. So he delivers a, morning this message, a message this morning to tell you, only be strong. In other words, don't get distracted by anything else around you. Focus on the promise of the promised land. Focus on what I said you can have and don't be discouraged. Don't be down and out. Don't wonder whether or not it's going to work out. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1 and 8 when I told you that there is a land that you are going to enter into and possess and the only thing I want you to do between now and manifestation is to be strong. I wish I had somebody that can get that. I don't want you to get weak at any point in this journey because the bottom line is I'm with you and I'm going to make it happen anyway. You're not the one getting it done. The only thing I want you to do is glory to the Lamb of God. Tell your neighbor the only thing I'm doing is being strong. Now, Dave, in my introduction, at a certain point, there are has to be a light that comes on for believers that when the Bible said something, it's exactly what God meant. Now, I really want y'all to walk with me now. Now we're going to get into a little bit of, um, uh, 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 if you will, philosophical viewpoints on, on, on how one should receive from the word of God. Now, in the academic community, there's something known as inductive and deductive reasoning, which we will not get into right now, but uh, it gives you a way or a pattern by which to interpret information. 
to determine how you want to see it, how you feel about it, determine whether or not this hypothesis is accurate or not based off of your experience or not, inductive, deductive reasoning, amen, get you into deep thought as to whether or not a particular literary work really means what it says. Whether or not this is accurate, whether or not it, is, it has holes in it, you know, did God really mean it when he said you'd reap a hundredfold, or was that a metaphor? Did God really, really mean it when he said some other things? For example, our, uh, one of our most well-read and well-quoted scriptures, amen, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall. Now let's stop there for a second. What does I shall not want really mean? It doesn't mean I shall not want. Now, through the filter of your logic, though, I shall not want can turn into a lot of different things. It can turn into, well, God was saying I shall not want for the people at that time. Well, no, no scripture is given for interpretation. Amen. But the Bible says all scripture is good. Now, that's what the Bible, does the Bible say all scripture is good? So that means all scripture is good for us, even to this day. Now, you got to know what people he's talking to, but the message and the lesson is still the same. So I could get over into, well, maybe it's not for me, all right? Or inductive reasoning, I could move to a category of based off of my experiences, I have wanted a lot in my life, so that verse must certainly cannot mean that I shall not want is a possible thing. Are you all in here? For example, somebody comes out of poverty and they've been wanting all their life and an inductive reasoning would uh, kick in and they would say, you know, I've never had any money or food or, or been able to do some of the things that I want to do at a drop of a, of a hat. I never had life like that. And they could reason their way out of that promise based off of their experience. Are you all in here? And that is one of the key ways that Satan keeps a promise from believers. When in fact, when the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Linda, that's exactly what he meant. Nothing missing, nothing broken, and nothing lacking. Y'all are still looking at me? Let me help you walk through this through another lens. Let's look at another verse very similar to uh, the opportunity that, that Psalm 23 gives us to reason ourselves out of it. Psalm 103, amen, and verse number three. And this one I actually want you to look at. Just this one verse alone creates brain damage for the average believer. I'm not talking about for the world. Uh, the world ought not be able to get this. But I'm talking about for the Christian. Come on, we're going back to be only strong in a minute, but I got to give you, amen, solid foundation on how you need to hear that first. Are you all here? Psalm 103 and 3 says, who forgives what? All, all your iniquities. Now, pause right there. Don't even go to the B clause of the text. How many altar calls do we have to have in one year for Christians who have already been forgiven to be re-forgiven? And the only reason why we got to do that is not always because they got in more sin. It's because they are still reasoning over the idea that can God really forgive? Oh. I mean, aren't there some penalties for having had an abortion? Shouldn't I expect 
to miscarry? Should, shouldn't I expect some other things? Should, isn't there a penalty to adultery that I had 10 years ago? Isn't there a penalty to misappropriating funds? Whatever the case may be, that person can still be stuck. You know, I had a divorce and I wasn't supposed to have a divorce. They can still be stuck on all of the things. And I was once promiscuous in my life. And I, I totally understand why I should have some version of sickness and disease. But wait a minute. God says he forgives. And he was so good when he said he would forgive all your iniquities that he didn't stop there, girls. He, he didn't stop there. Look at verse number 10, and we're going back to verse number 3. But if you look at verse number 10, he goes on to articulate how to interpret this law. He put a law in place, but then he put a policy on top of it. Good God Almighty. He put a policy on top of it that said, not only do I forgive you, but I'm not dealing with you according to what you did, and I'm not punishing you. Oh, I wish I had some help in the house of God. Aren't you glad that that verse is literal? Dave, I said, that's literal. So the stuff we did in college is gone. Hallelujah. That's literal. Glory to God. So what does the Bible mean when it says something? This is a good foundation. What does it really, really mean when he says he forgives all? Now, this is where my fundamentalists get trapped. Go back to verse number three. And y'all, this is in the Old Testament. We ain't even got in New Testament, Holy Ghost filled churches. You don't even got to believe in the Holy Ghost to believe this verse. This is Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalm 103 and 3. Not only does he say he forgives all your iniquities, but he also heals. What's the disconnect? So how many diseases does he heal? All. On this side, how many diseases does he heal? All. 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 How many diseases post-Calvary has he healed? All. That's the difference between the Old and the New Testament. Concealed and revealed. This is concealed revelation. God says, I will heal all your diseases. I got a perfect sacrifice that's coming. And he's going to be able to do everything you need. And heal any condition you can ever have. Amen. That's concealed. Revealed, it is finished. And he rose with all power in his hand. And he has healed. He was wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities. Chastised and your peace was upon him. Isaiah 53 and 5. And with his stripes you were healed. It is now revealed that that healing is present. And he heals how many of your diseases? Now, stay with me now, because I didn't really teach this to teach this part. I really taught this just to show you how much brain damage this does to the average Christian. The av isn't that good, Pam? The average believer will get to these kind of sayings in Scripture and reason their way out of whether or not this applies to them. Isn't that right? Amen. If he said that the blessings of the Lord will come upon you, and overtake you, amen. What does that verse mean? 
It means at a point in your life, you should be so blessed, you feel smothered. You, you are literally, oh, come on, Malachi 3. He'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out. Blessed. It means that there ought to be a point in your life where you got so much blessings going that you don't have room. And when you don't got room to receive, you got to just start just tossing stuff off. You just, you got to give. You're overwhelmed. Hallelujah. You got more on you than you can take it. And you just got to bless somebody else. Which is what God wanted in the beginning. Because you're blessed to be a blessing. So what does the Bible mean? I love this lesson. What does the Bible mean, mom, when it says something? If the Bible says you're healed, what does it mean? If the Bible says, amen, that you're forgiven, what does it mean? Now, back to today's lesson, if the Bible says only be strong, <laughs> what is the emotional temperament of a believer supposed to be? No, only strong. Because, see, you can be strong in church right now. Everybody's strong while I'm preaching. But I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, when you get news that don't look the way you want it to look, you know what your resolution should be? I'm talking about when Pastor Rogers is not preaching and ministering in your ear, you know what should come up before you this week? No, the only thing I'm doing is being, you get some news you don't like, guess what? God already went before you, isn't that right? Made crooked places straight and rough places smooth. So the only thing you should be doing with bad news is be, everybody say sorrow not. Now, my message is not, if you will, over much that it gives you no license, amen, to tear up if a loved one goes to heaven or, or to have a, a, a logical moments. The Bible teaches us that we are to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice, which means that there's a pattern in Scripture and a place in Scripture for weeping. There's a place when a person needs, amen, to feel what they're feeling, but that is not relative to defeat, that is not relative to some bad news you got that looks like God is not going to come through. Because why? God made you a promise. Dear, can I spend a little time on the reason why folk are not strong? Amen. Why then does the word of God come up short? If he said only be strong, why? Why do people get weak at points? If he said that certain things are definite, why does the word come up short? Go to Mark chapter 4, verse number 18, and then we're coming back to our text, and I won't be much longer today. Why does the word come up short? Over in Mark chapter 4, verse number 18, this is so rich, relative to the word of God. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who do what? Hear the word. Everybody say, they was in church. But here's the revelation. They hear the word, verse 19, and the cares of this world. Stop right there. Don't go any further. The cares of this world. That phrase cares of this world or specifically the word cares in the Greek means preoccupation or preoccupations plural. So when the Bible says the cares of this world entering in choke the word a person is not able to bring the word of God into fruition because at a some certain point in their journey, Sakara, 
they become more preoccupied with the information from the world or their circumstance than they are with the Word of God. They are preoccupied with the bad news more than they are with what God said. Are y'all getting this? I'm saying this with, with much grace, but you ever heard somebody say they succumbed to their illness? That word succumbed is right. At a certain point, a person can become so defeated on the inside, amen, that they give up hope. And once a person gives up hope, the ability to fight is totally dissipated. That's why the Bible says deferred hope makes the heart sick. Are you all in here? That's why the Bible says it is a strong spirit of a man that sustains him in bodily pain and in trouble. I think that's somewhere around Proverbs 18. Don't turn there. Just stay with me. The cares, the preoccupation with the stuff around you is what makes you weak. See, you, you, you're looking at the doctor's report or you're looking at the school report on your kid, or, or you're listening to the information about the bad news or whatever it may be, and as a result of that, you, instead of focusing on the word that was released, are we in Mark chapter 4 and 18? Instead of keeping your focus on only be strong, you instead turn to that situation. And as long as you're on that situation, the word of God is not bearing fruit. The word of God is not growing. The more you meditate the situation, amen, the word of God, according to this scripture, is getting choked. You can choke a word out. What do you have to do with gardens? You got to keep the weeds out. If you don't keep the weeds out, what will it do to your garden? It can choke your vegetation, right? So the more you meditate the hardship in the marriage, instead of meditating the promise that God gave you relative to your marriage, the more you're going to struggle to receive that promise, and ultimately, you can succumb. But back to today's uh, topic, but believers are to what? What's our only emotion, y'all? It's only be strong. And stop all that. Well, I saw Elijah was a man of lack. Uh, you know, emotions and, you know, I saw where David was discouraged. When you see people in scripture, stay with me, who were discouraged, they are not that way because God told them to be. We sometimes forget David was a man. As powerful as he was, and I do not defame him, but y'all, David was a man. We know that's true because we can look at Psalm 51. He had a man problem at a point in his life. And got off track in some adultery, did he not? You know why? Because David was a man. Elijah was a man. But I'm getting ready to throw you a curveball you're not ready for, but you'll get it in 10 weeks if you, if you don't get it today. Catch this. All of these guys was able to do what they did pre-Holy Ghost. But here we are. You're not just a man. You're not just a woman. You're to be strong in the power of his might, so now you and I have what it takes. I wish I had some help to never have a bad day. We can never have a bad day. We can get tired, but we don't have to have a bad day. Physical tiredness is not discouragement. You just need to get some sleep. Amen. I had a very, very thick weekend. Amen. You know what I need to do tonight? Yeah, that, that don't have nothing to do with discouragement. You, you, you got to get your feet back underneath you. Y'all in here? Amen. That's not discouraged. But I'm talking about all these emotional 
You know, you believe God, you're down. You're up, you're down. You're up and down. And what God is saying emphatically as we close this series out, he said, don't be anything else. From now on, y'all, Joshua did it pre-Holy Ghost. Y'all ain't ready for this. Moses did it pre-Holy Ghost. And what about you, Acts 1 and 9? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. There is no reason for you to be weak another day in your life. Man, flex your muscles and get strong in the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's the only thing we're supposed to be doing. Is that all right, Brother Mel? Man, I feel like working through this. Y'all in here? Amen. Now, there are four things that will keep believers strong. Four key things that will keep a believer strong. Amen. And they're all in Joshua's life, and three of them are in our text. Amen. And we're not going to go through the text line upon line today. We're going to hit it and run. But I want you to study uh, Joshua 1. Amen. You can study the whole chapter. And you'll see all of these minus one that we're going to save to the end. The first thing that keeps us strong, Michelle, is meditation. In this book of the law, shall you what? Meditate. How often? Day and night. Day and night. How often should the word of God be funneling through you? Day and night. But notice he didn't just say reading. He said meditation. Do you know there's a difference between reading the Bible in a year and meditating it? And some of us, we read it because we want to check a box. That's good. I didn't tell you not to do that. Get your reading plan. Do it. But if you do that, in addition to reading the Bible in a year, you need a particular verse that you are meditating all day long or three verses or two that you're just letting ruminate in your heart all day long. There's a difference between meditating and reading. You don't believe me? How many of you went to school? <laughs> what about college? Okay, read chapter 10 through 15 by next week. <clears throat> Somebody say amen. Some of us read the chapter, came back to class, and didn't know anything that we had read. Isn't that true? Because you read it to get through. You were just glad to see the next blank page. <laughs> you got through the chapters. You did do your reading. But there was a difference between reading and what? He told Joshua, he said, now this book of the law, the first five books, he said, shall you meditate day and night? What I gave Moses, I want you to meditate that. What there would have been a part of that book of the law that Joshua was meditating? What would have been a part of that would have been Deuteronomy 1, 7 and 8, which says, see, I place before you a land to possess. So every time Joshua fought a battle, guess what he was thinking about? The promise God gave him. Every time he fought a battle, he brought up before him what God said he was going to do. Every time he went up against another enemy, and y'all, Joshua was violent, man. You know, he he was rough. Oh, God. I already told you he burned aching up. But boy, they was looking after about three or four kings one day. And boy, he found them. He put his foot on all their necks. Then he cut their heads off. I mean, he was a rough boy. Joshua was tough, man. He, he, oh, you didn't want to get in front of Joshua, man. You know, I, 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 I felt bad when I started thinking about what some of his own men had to go through. We'll talk about that in men's fellowship. <laughs> some of the boys are getting it. Amen. But, uh, you know, God told Joshua, he said, you take your men up there and cut them. <laughs> 
<laughs> and y'all know what kind of cutting I'm talking about. Joshua was tough. Oh, God. Yeah, he cut, cut all his boys. He, he, he brought, them, brought them to the promised land, but they had to go through a certain kind of way. I want you to know there's some things I'm glad God hadn't asked me to do. <laughs> Amen. Because if he said that, I'll say, God, I'll do anything but that. If you could just figure out something else you want me to do, I'm just teasing. I would do whatever the Lord said do. But Joshua was a tough guy. Are y'all listening to me? And, and what do those scriptures mean when they say it? They were not metaphors. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's how obedient these men were. That's how sincere they were. And so it's not that I'm just reading the word. Guess what else I'm doing? I'm meditating the word. And how often? Day and now. And he says that you keep it in your mouth. Does he not say that? Yeah. He said that uh, these words, amen, that you would meditate and you would keep them in your mouth. And that's the first thing that you're going to do if you're going to be strong uh, here on out is you're going to have to meditate Amen. The word of God. But real quick, number two, observation. Amen. And I told you in the beginning, it's not only that you observe it, but you observe it like you're going to do it. He said, observe to do. Amen. Really catch this. Don't carry the problem. Just handle it. There's a difference between carrying a problem and what? Handling. Observe to what? Do. All right. So you meditate on this book of the law and you will observe to do how much of it? All that is in the law of Moses. That's in verse number seven, that you will observe to do all of it. And y'all, that's your action plan right there. So I'm going to meditate the word of God. I know this is soup warmed over. We're getting the new stuff. I'm going to meditate the word of God, but then I'm going to observe to do how much of it? All of it. Amen. I want to do everything God says do. Amen. When I do everything God says do, that makes me strong. But where I really want to push in and where I want to be getting off of the ship here is not only do you want to meditate the word of God, not only do you want to observe it, if you can't figure out this is the, the acronym for more, I mean, you want more strength. Amen. The third thing you need is revelation. Are you all in here? You need a revelation. A revelation of who? A revelation of God. A revelation of who God is. Not just knowing that God exists. It's not only that God is here, but God is here with me. Did y'all get that? It's not only that God is present, but God is present with me. And then, not only is he present with me, he's present with me to give me the victory. He is not just here. He is here to do something. Amen. He is here to make something come to pass. That's good. Is that all right? Everybody knows God is here, man. Spiritual people know God exists. You ask people today, are you a Christian? They say, well, I'm more spiritual. They, they know there's a God. They believe like Oprah. There's many paths to one God. I'm not talking about that God. That's the false God. I'm talking about Jehovah God. I'm talking about Abba Father. I'm talking about the God of all creation. I'm talking about the God of Jacob, Isaac. Come on. I'm talking about our God. Amen. Our God is greater. I'm talking about the mighty God, the King of kings. He is here, but not only is he here, he's here with me. 
And greater is he that is in me than he that is where? In the, in the world. In the cares of the world. In the things in this world that you could be dealing with. In the decisions that you can make. God is in that decision. And he just wants you to listen to him. Amen. And so not only do you need to meditate the word, you need to observe the word, but everybody say, I need a revelation. Now, we're going to spend some time on a revelation because this is so crucial to being strong before we wrap this series up. Remember, I told you, keep it in your mouth. Look at verse number eight, Seku. This book of the law, what does it say, class? Shall not depart from your mouth. There are some seasons you get into where the only thing you need to be talking is the word. Uh, Y'all, there's some times where I'm not even joking. And I'm a jokester, but it, it, depending on the climate and the place and the space, some of you still trying to figure some things out. Y'all, when blinded eyes start getting open, I, I'm, I'm careful with the audience because I want to see more supernatural signs and wonders. And so anybody that don't want one, I don't want them here. So I'm a little more careful. I'm a little more tense. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah, we mindful of those things because you know what window you're in. What window is the church in? Revival. We're in one of the greatest revivals before Jesus comes back. God is calling back his children who have gone wayward, sheep who have been scattered through scandals, sheep who have been scattered through COVIDs and all kinds of things. And the church right now needs to be serious. We're not talking about a bunch of other extra stuff. My, most of my life groups are spiritual life groups. Amen. Right now, I'm not teaching you how to, amen, play uno. Amen. You get in one of our life groups, our men's life group on, on, in April is teaching men how to pray. That's our men's. Women's life group is on women through the Bible. Amen. No, we're not doing the red table. We're doing women through the Bible. Are you all in here? We are countercultural. I'm not going with this world on what the world is doing. I don't get my cadence from this world. I get my cadence from God, and God has given us some quick and severe marching orders. You got to be serious in your marriage now. Satan came to devour your marriage. Bible says in the last days they would be forbidden to marry. So he came to conquer your marriage. You got to get serious in raising your children. You got to lay hands on your kids. You got to teach your kids honor and respect and teach them, amen, how to extend their days. You got you to be serious about life now. And that's what this word strong really is all about. Amen. When the Bible says only be what? Strong. The word only, you ready for this? Because we look everything up in the, in the Hebrew. Guess what the word only means? It comes from this word, yakah. Guess what it means? Only. <laughs> I know I got Bible scholars in the room. Amen. Some of y'all know the Greek, Swahili, and, and everything else in between. But you know what the word only means? Yeah, only means what? The only thing only means in this verse is God says, get serious. I want you to only be what? Strong. But now that word strong can be deceptive if you don't really get the real meaning of it. When he says only be strong, the word strong is bold. When God says only be strong, he said, man, have an attitude of boldness. Had a disposition of seriousness and bold and strength, and you're not taking no prisoners right now. You're only being strong. You're only being strong. You rebuke the devil before he shows up. Because you're only being what? 
strong. You're more serious now. I got another one for you. That word means bold. Guess what? You can boldly become, come before the throne and inquire because you got boldness on you. Don't tiptoe around God on what you want from him. He's your father. Go in there and act like a son. Hallelujah. Go in there and act like a daughter. Amen. Go in there and talk to him. Hallelujah. I told God not long ago, I said, Father, you know, through my different businesses and things, I said, Lord, you've been good to me. Uh, You know, I I asked for a raise not long ago, and, you know, you gave it to me, and I want to tell you thank you for that. I said, but, you know, Lord, it won't hurt my feelings if you want to do another one. (laughs) Oh, I talked to him like a son. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to help somebody at whatever level. You know what I do when I want a new pair of shoes? You know, God, it'd be nice to have some shoes. And just like a son, he said, well, you got a little bit of money. No, I just want you to get these for me. Isn't that right? You can dote on him like a, like a son. Hallelujah. He'll pay for stuff. He'll love on you. Oh, hallelujah. But don't forget Jesus because he's your elder brother. You ever got in a fight, amen, and brought your brother back? I wish I had some help in here. Or didn't get in a fight because of who your brother is. I wish I had some help. Aren't you glad Jesus already disarmed principalities? He already went before you. Isn't that good stuff? So when he says only be strong, he says only be what? Bold. Back to Revelation. He says that uh, we're to be strong and we're going to prosper wherever we go because we don't turn from the right or to the left. But look at this, dear. Everybody say a revelation of God's presence. This is so rich right here. Verse number nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of what? Good courage. Do not be afraid. No, 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 no. If there's anything you're afraid of in your life, stop it. Stop it. Because that, that God said, and I know inductive, deductive reasoning and all the other kinds of reasonings out there kick in and say, but nah, everybody got something. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible said, do But pastor, you don't get on roller coasters. That's stupid. (laughs) Don't try to catch me or something. You get on roller coasters after 19 of them been stopped up in the air and they have to rescue. So, yeah, no, you know, I I don't get on roller coasters because I don't think people inspect their stuff anymore. There are some places I don't even eat at anymore because I look at the people who serve the food. (laughs) Now, I do. Some of y'all don't, but I do. I do. Me and my wife walked in the restaurant the other day, and I I smelled something, and I saw something. And I said, that's all right. I'm not that hungry. Don't come telling me about a roller coaster. You can get on one if you want to, but there's no thrill or feel in that for me. Don't get mad at me or try to catch me in something. I'm not afraid of anything. Hallelujah. Five-foot snake showed up on my doorstep, and I killed it. Witches. Because I'm not afraid of witches. I cut his head off. I'm not afraid of you. Let's talk about that. You don't scare me. You might scare everybody else you're around, but you don't scare me. And I wouldn't be afraid of you if I went around these people. Meet me in Walmart. I'll tell you the same thing. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you because these guys are here. I'm not afraid of you because I'm not afraid of you. 
So, Pastor, we all, and then stop all those foolish world vernaculars and things, y'all, and that. Fear, everybody needs a little fear. Devil is a liar. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but that of power, love, and a what? Sound. So, so I'm, I'm thinking right. I'm afraid of anything. Isn't this right? Are you all in here? Some of you, you would get out of wrong relationships if you got out of fear. You won't leave him because you're afraid of what your life would look like post him, but you have no idea that God's got much better on the other side. And you're putting up with foolishness. Amen. I wish I had some help just to have a warm body next to you and he walking around cheating and stealing and lying and doing everything he's big and bad enough to do all because you're afraid. But if you put that monkey out, Hallelujah. You paying the mortgage. He moved in the house you bought. I wish I had some help in here. I can't get no help in here. Girls, you put up with it. That's why. That's why. Pastor, you left the men out. Right. Because most of the time, it's a woman putting up with that foolishness. And brother, if you do it, you're just as stupid. You don't walk around cheating on me and I stay. Right. That's right. <laughs> huh? I'm like the old preachers now, huh? I'm getting older. That just came out, huh? Is that right, huh? <laughs> Tell I'm getting a little older now, huh? Do me like that. I'm somebody in God. I said I'm somebody in God. And you're not going to treat me like that. But because of fear, you put up with that. Amen. God told you to start the business three years ago. And you didn't leave not because of fear. You like working three hours a day on your current job. It's easier. So I understand that. So don't worry about that point. Amen. <laughs> the mortgage is paid, everything. And, you know, most of the time, God don't care if you start a business anyway. So if you're comfortable, just enjoy it, you know. No big deal. That's not kingdom. That's your occupation. Amen. Do not be afraid. Hallelujah. But then he tells you, Zed, don't be dismayed. Dismayed. Amen. Dismayed. Hallelujah. Down and out. Discouraged. Despondent. Why? What are we on? The point on what? Revelation. See, I can't go too fast on this. Y'all getting it? What's the revelation, Reggie? For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go. Do y'all understand what that means? See, I'm getting ready to really mess some people up. You know what wherever means? Wherever means where God says, I love you so much that I am with you wherever. When you went in that doctor's office and got the bad report, God was standing right there. He was with you because he's with you where? Good God, that's good. Oh, hallelujah. When you heard some other bad news, God heard the same bad news. In fact, he knew the news was coming before it ever got there because he is with you where? Ever you go. Jesus said, and lo, I'll be with you. How often? Always, even to the end of the world. I want to fan that revelation out with one more verse, maybe two, and we're going to be almost home. Everybody say, I got a revelation of God. 
Yeah, revelation of God being in the same place as you, amen, and with you. He's not only there, uh, amen, with you, but he's, or, or in existence rather, he is there with you. Go to Genesis 28, amen, verse number 12 through 17. Are you learning anything today? Everybody say, only be strong. Come on, somebody say, the only emotion I'm having is one of strength. Amen. Genesis 28 and 12. This is Jacob now. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway. I'm in the New Living Translation that reached from earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, the God of your father, Isaac, the day, the, and, and watch this promise, the ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Amen. Your, your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth, explanation point. They will spread out in all directions, to the east and to the west, to the north and to the south, and all of the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your what? Descendants. Now it's getting ready to get real good. Look at verse number 15. Everybody say, but wait, there's more. Y'all remember the old game shows? Hallelujah. Say it again. But wait, there's more. God said, what's more is this. I am with. Now, wait a minute. I'm going to bless you with everything I got for you. But in addition to the new everything I'm bringing into your life, I'm going to be there with you while it comes into fruition. You're going to have my presence on what you just obtained. See, success is one thing, but good success is a whole nother thing. The drug dealer can build a mansion, but my God, when a believer gets one, you can sense the presence of God when you walk in. God says, when I move you in, I'm going to be with you. Are you all in here? What's more is I am with you. And not only that, Rhonda, I'm going to protect you wherever you go. And I love it. One day I'm going to bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have I'm not leaving until it's all done. <laughs> oh, this is going to be turnkey. Amen. I'm not leaving until I have given you everything. Well, what does he promise? Health, wealth, prosperity, the favor of the Lord. And when it don't look that way, the only thing you need to do is be. Oh, give him a shout of praise right there. I said give him a shout of praise right there. Oh, that's enough to prove my point. Come on, take your seat. I'm coming home. Isaiah 43, come on. Let's just meditate a few verses. We get ready to get out of here. I could go to verse number 10, but time won't allow today. Amen. We get ready to get out of here. Somebody say amen, because verse number 10 is a whole message in and of itself. But Isaiah 43, 2 through 5, and this is going to bless somebody real good. And we get ready to get out of here. Somebody right there, just take a praise break and thank God for what's about to come into fruition. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, is this good, Rob? That's why, church, you don't have to be concerned about what concerns everybody else. 
That's why you don't have to be bottlenecked about what's going to happen in your life. Oh, because God says, I'm not leaving until I finish giving you everything I promise. Slap your neighbor high five and tell them God is reliable. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Brian, I'm getting ready to get out of here, but over in Isaiah 43, the Bible says something that's going to help somebody that's going through right now. The Bible says, when you pass through the waters, good God Almighty, I will be. Anybody ever felt like you were being flooded out by life? Oh, hallelujah. Am I on your street today, babe? You ever felt like the waters were coming in on every side? But God says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Now, it might look bad, but they are not going to drown you. They, they are not going to overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, oh, hallelujah, aren't you glad you won't get burned? I'm getting ready to get out of here. I said, when you walk through the fire, aren't you glad? <laughs> and what's the only reason why I'm not going to get burned? Because I am the Lord, your God. Not only do I exist, but I exist for you. <laughs> Not only am I here, but I'm here with somebody shout hallelujah in the house of God. And then he gives you his resume. He says, uh, I'm the Lord, your God, the, the Holy One of Israel. He says, I'm your Savior, which adds definition to the word Savior, which means not only do I save you from your sins, but I'll save you from life's obstacles. Not only will I save you, hallelujah, to the utmost uh, and get you off to heaven, but Jesse, I'll save you from whatever you need me to save you from down here. He said, I gave you your enemies for your ransom. Amen. Ethiopia, Seba in your place. Since you were what? Precious in my sight. You have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. And here's where I get off the ship and give you my last point. He says, fear not. Why, God? For I am. Somebody say, I'm not going to be afraid of anything. Somebody say, I'm not going to be afraid of anything. Somebody says, I don't have any fear in my body. Hallelujah. Somebody say, it's not a shaky bone in my body. Why? Because God is with me. Somebody shout hallelujah in the house of God. You're getting ready to get out of here on a Sunday morning, but aren't you glad that you not only have a God that exists, but you got a God that exists for you. And so the only emotion you should be having is that you are going to be strong. Slap your neighbor, high five, and tell them, I don't have any other kind of emotion now. The only thing I'm doing is being it might look a little shaky along the way. But the only thing I'm doing is I'm going to be strong. God got this appointment coming up, but the only thing I'm going to be is strong. Because I serve Dr. Jesus. He gives me all my medicine. Strong. Uh, I want to take a seat. We're getting out of church today. The first 
saying, no, don't take your seat. I said, we've been out of church today. Y'all misunderstood me. It's time to fly this kite and go home. The Bible declares, all in our text today, relative to Brother Joshua and his life, not only do we meditate the word of God, not only do we observe the word of God, but we have the revelation that God is with us. The word M O R E more is what I'm most fascinated with. Wish you good afternoon after this. There's one more thing that Brother Joshua taught us, and that is the principle of praise. Not only do we praise him, but we praise him after we have the victory. Well, Pastor, you're confusing me now. Stay with me. When did Joshua get the battle of Jericho? He did not get it after he walked around the wall. When did Joshua get the battle of Jericho victory? He got the battle of Jericho victory once God gave him the instruction. It was up to him to do what God said. The word said he already had the victory. The word said the walls were going to come tumbling down. The word said he was already victorious. So pastor, what is the E in more strength. So the E is an excellent praise. Hallelujah. It is an excellent praise. An excellent praise is a complete praise. We get ready to get out of here, but over in Psalm 151 through 6, the Bible declares that we're to praise ye the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah right there. That's the commandment. All the way to the next words to figure it out. The word of God says, praise ye the Lord. Everybody say, give him a more excellent praise. Praise him according to who he is. He tells you where to praise him. He says, praise him in the sanctuary. Look around, it looks mighty like a sanctuary to me. But God says, not only do I want you to praise me, but there's a set place where I want you to praise Why he didn't leave you out? Uh, him with the organ too. 
And I want you to look where you're standing and sitting today. That's because it wasn't a bank that was on the anyway. It's the power of God. Come on, girls, come on, boys. Lift your hands and tell them thank you. 